afternoon. Today is, oh, what is it? Thursday, February 15th, 2007. I am doing an, an education podcast, and this actually comes out of the listserv that I've reported from before. It's called Tomorrow's Professor Listserv and sponsored by Stanford University. Um, this is, it's a wonderful listserv, particularly for educators, because it, it gives some wonderful feedback and ideas related to teaching and major issues um, and discussions and so on. But this one is looking at advice on how to deal with the feelings of being overwhelmed. Gee, I think you felt that? Code O, how to recover from overwhelm. And this comes out of a, uh, this is written by Susan Johnson, who is an, uh, an MD, Associate, Pro- Associate Provost for Faculty at the University of Iowa. And her email is susan slash johnson at U-I-O-W-A dot E-D-U. Okay. Overwhelm is the new word of the day in the time management lexicon, as in, I am dealing with overwhelm. This may seem a fair descriptor of the world we live in today. Tasks coming at us from all sides and expectations for our work and personal life that simply cannot be met. The consequences of severe, persistent overwhelm can be serious depression, stalled career progress, and interpersonal messes. Note that in this usage, overwhelm is a noun, not a verb, implying that its origins are external to ourselves. I'm not arguing about whose fault this state of affairs is, yours or theirs, but I will suggest that you do have control over how you deal with overwhelm. In this article in her new series on time management, Uh, She lays out a series of steps you should take when you find yourself in the midst of overwhelm. That is, when you are so riddled with guilt and anxiety that you find yourself paralyzed, unable to take any action at all. If you have never found yourself in quite this bad a shape, her plan rescues people from lesser degrees of trouble. The reason I decided to share this is because I think this is a constant state that we see in academia not just in the administrative realm, but in the teaching realm as well as students. So I felt it was important to talk about and to think about. The core principle for emerging from this state is to get you to engage in the moment. When you are in overwhelm, we are flying back and forth between the past, which is guilt, and future, which is fear, and passing right over the current moment, which is the only time over which we have any control. There are three stages to three steps to resuscitation. Every code has a resuscitation phase. In this one, you are simply trying to get control of your emotions and regain your ability to take action. The process will take anywhere from a few minutes to at most an hour to complete. So you do not need to worry about getting further behind on your priorities. So step one, stop and take a deep breath. Let's do that. Oh, that felt good. You need to bring your focus quickly back to this moment. This is a time-honored and time-tested way to do it. If you have trouble with this, W. Timothy Galway recommends actually saying the word stop aloud in order to get your own attention. Step two, slow down. 
This advice seems counterintuitive. You are behind. You need to go faster. Help! Remember the opening lines of Simon and Garfunkel's 59th Street Bridge song, Feeling Groovy? Slow down, you move too fast. You've got to make the morning last. Remember that? As this song says, slowing down actually leads to the feeling that you have more time. The key is to couple slow motion with attention to the moment. The effect is to black out everything and focus entirely on what you are doing in this moment. Perhaps this works because you are not wasting any time thinking about the past or future. So only one third of the usual stuff is in your head. Productivity coach Martha Ringer says, I practice exaggerated slowness. Anytime I start to feel that way out of myself place. You may doubt that this trick will help. When she recommends it to her to her secretary several years ago, she looked, the, her secretary looked at her as if she was crazy. The next day, however, she came back and said that it was a miracle. Step three, complete a task. Randomly choose a task from your immediate environment and do it. Your priorities are not important in this step. In fact, an obsession with trying to find the very highest priority task to do may have precipitated the overwhelming episode in the first place. The point here is to get traction on the moment, engage your mind and work, and feel the victory of completing something. This will work with any task, as long as it is something that needs to be done. After you have done a few tasks and are feeling calm and focused, try to move in one of these directions. One turn toward a high priority task or two begin to implement one of the stabilization methods described in the next section in the unlikely event you just can't move to either of these keep doing random but needed tasks and try to move on later the next set of activities can be done in any order over several days or weeks they are intended to get you back on your feet and in a position to start putting together a long-term plan for organization and time management. Even if you stay in this phase for months, you will still be ahead of where you are now. So, make a list. Make a list of everything you do. The subtext, the subtext here is that stress is increased the more we try to keep things in your head. Your brain was not designed to be a storage vault. Well, ain't that the truth? It was designed to think. Begin by taking a blank piece of lined paper, or type it if you like, and spend about 15 minutes writing down everything you can think of that you have to do. Big, little, now, later, work, home, everything that is in your head. Your eventual goal is to create an inventory of all potential work. But in the beginning, even before the list is complete, this exercise will almost immediately convert your previous existential free-floating anxiety into focused energy. Now you can see before you in black and white the actual challenge you face. Now you have the chance to make better decisions about what to do next, as well as what you should not do at all. And you get the pleasure and energy boost of crossing off the tasks you complete. I found this interesting because for a long time we said, don't do lists, don't be a list person. But I find when I do a list, it does help. There is that sense of crossing it off that is just wonderful. Jeffrey Mayer's method is the one she likes best for this approach. Use a legal pad, date the top of the first page, and write one item on each line. Keep adding to this list as things come up. 
When a thing is done, cross it off by drawing a line all the way through. When a page is about 50 to 70% crossed out, tear off the page and copy the undone, undone items onto a new page and continue adding new items as they come up. Note that this is a master list, not a daily list. And that's very important because you could really get overwhelmed. You should select no more than three critical tasks that you must do each day. Eventually, you may want to work them with a more sophisticated list system. But this simple running list will do for now. Now, clear your workspace. Oh, I think that's so important. The goal at this stage is not organization but focus. Thus, it's okay in the short run if you simply put everything from your desk on the floor. This gives you a clear space in which to do each task without your eye and mind being drawn off tasks by seeing the other work you need to do. As a simple next step, make a file folder for every project you are working on and put these folders in one place. Then you can see all of your big tasks together, again giving you a concrete picture of your workload. In case you have never seen a clear desktop, well, here's one. You're not seeing it, right? <laughs> Find a 10% solution. Stephanie Winston, the mother of modern time management, describes this method is in her book, Getting Out From Under. She advises that when you are in crisis, it is better to make small adjustments so that you can get back in control. To apply this method, think of activities in your daily life that seem to take too much time or that specifically add to your sense of overwhelm. Select one and break it down into steps. Look at each step separately and see if there is a way it can be done more quickly or efficiently. Delegate it to somebody else or eliminate it altogether. For example, suppose you find yourself spending too much time doing laundry. Huh. The steps are collecting the dirty clothes, washing, drying, ironing, and distributing back to the owners. As a 10% solution, you could delegate the collecting and distributing to your children and stop ironing the sheets. Oh my god, who irons sheets? Learn to live in wrinkles. Face up to the AWOL syndrome. Mary McKinney, a psychologist who advises graduate students and faculty on achieving academic success, recently, recently described this syndrome in her monthly newspaper, newsletter. Excuse me. If you are like me, you will recall this immediately. You have promised to have a chapter ready in June. August rolls around and you have not even started. And you begin to fantasize that this chapter is a hallucination. Then in September, you receive a politely worded email asking for a progress report. You ignore it. Thereafter come more emails, followed by telephone calls. You ignore them, all the while building up a store of guilt and fear. McKinley calls this going AWOL. While you are there, sign up. Oh, excuse me. The solution sounds pain painful, but it almost never is. Simply call or email. The latter is usually easier unless you are very brave and say, I am sorry I am late. Here is when I think I can get it done. Please let me know if that will work for you. Sincerely, so-and-so. There is no need for going on and on about the late part. The recipient already knows you are late and probably suspects that you are sorry. The only things that the recipient really wants to know are that you are alive and that you will <laughs> renegotiate a new deadline. I've experienced this syndrome many times in my career, and to date, not one bad thing has happened to me as a result of owning up. Overwhelm may be inevitable, but by quickly recognizing it and performing a code zero, you can minimize the time you spend there. 
The stabilization techniques will get you back on track and in a position to eventually make changes that will prevent serious overwhelm in the future. And these changes will, will be future topics. I hope this is of help, particularly for um, my students, my colleagues, as we deal with so, so much input today. Feel free to uh, share your thoughts with me. I appreciate you stopping by and uh, hope you enjoyed your Valentine's Day and that you're warm in these some areas of the country that have tremendous amount of cold. So take good care of yourself, stay healthy, stay happy, love yourself, and don't feel overwhelmed. This is Dr. Quinn.